Welcome to the Living Faith Fellowship Conference podcast. The Living Faith Fellowship is a peer network of like-minded churches united under a single biblical authority and one common mission. You're about to hear a message from one of the many conferences hosted by the Living Faith Fellowship every year. We pray it's a blessing. Curious if there's a handout today, there's not. You just need your Bible. Just have your Bible on hand. Piece of paper to take notes on. All right, looks like the group's gotten smaller. I don't know what that means. There's less of you. So we're gonna, we're gonna start with the Q&A. So I'm, I'm gonna invite Dan up. And we're just gonna use this as an opportunity to review a little bit uh, of what we talked about yesterday. And then we're gonna, do, we're gonna do our breakouts today and you guys will actually get to practice doing this. There, there are literally half as many people in here today. So I guess people, don't, people didn't love the idea of the Discovery Bible Method. Either that or they decided they just don't want to evangelize. They're like, yeah. Okay, so they'll, they'll trickle in. But let's go, ahead and get, let's go ahead and get started. I'm going to pray. We'll review, and then we'll leave you guys some space to, to answer questions. Um, Shana, will you run this mic for me? <clears throat> All right. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this morning. Um, the conference just continues to get better and better. You're teaching us more and more, and, and um, I'm so grateful for the pastors who are examples to us of what it looks like uh, to take risks and to um, not be afraid to answer the call and to go exactly where you call us to be. And I, and I do believe that this whole Bible study thing and, and, and the, um, the groundswell of Bible studies that are beginning to start, not just here in Kansas City, but, but among all of our living faith churches, that this is a breeding ground for, for future church plants. And so we're asking God, would you use this, would you use this, this method, this approach, um, just as a platform and a space for you to have your way with us? It just is an opportunity to yield ourselves in a very simple way. Develop us, Lord. Refine us. Teach us. Grow us. And, uh, and prepare us for a work um, that, that goes beyond our imagination. And, uh, and we want to trust you with that, even right now, as we, as we get into the nitty-gritty uh, of how to do this. And we, do, we work through the practicalities. Um, we're asking that you would um, light a fire in our heart and prepare us for something really great. Uh, we need fruit, Lord. We, we desire fruit. Uh, we don't want to be barren. And so we, we're asking that you would, you would endeavor for us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So yesterday we talked about how to do the Discovery Bible Method. I walked you through um, basically the, the point by point of, of how to approach it. And that begins with, uh, you know, you reading as a group, uh, establishing a theme together collectively, and then working through the facilitation part, the chunked out parts of the passage where we study together, we break things down, we practice using our Bibles uh, to compare Scripture with Scripture. Um, we're learning from one another. We synthesize that information. Everybody's taking notes. Everybody's learning. And then that brings us to a point of application. And then uh, everybody uh, voices what God has shown them. And then we pray about that. And, and, and that's the night. That's how a Bible study goes. We talked about the idea that we want lost people to be there. We want this to be a space that is accommodating to lost people. We want to be hospitable, loving, inviting, 
so that people can come and be apart from whatever background they're coming from. They don't feel isolated. They don't feel excluded. All these are very important aspects of running a, a healthy Bible study that also reaches the lost. And so um, we didn't have time for questions yesterday, so we want to give you time right this moment before we break out. Do you have any questions for Dan? Dan is actually as much an expert in this as, as me, and so he's up here to help answer questions as well. If you've got questions, just go ahead and raise your hand, and, uh, and Shana will, will, will come. Shana, will you, okay, there's a question back there. Yeah, Jisoo, what's up? Hold on, hold on, just hold on a second. They're they're probably needing to turn the mic on real quick. Was on. Um, like um, in the middle of the Bible study, there's lost people come, and so you have like dynamic dynamics of like mature, new, and then completely lost has never read the Bible. Mm-hmm. So how do you balance that where? If we just continue, this lost person is like, what is this? I have no idea. Who is Moses? Man, is that a person's name? You know, like, completely lost. To, um, so if we try to accommodate, then this Bible study becomes all like Q&A to the lost person. It's not a Bible. It's not profiting to all. So then if we try to focus on the new um, Bible study as it is, then the lost person is completely lost, has no idea. Like, how do you balance yeah, between that? Yeah, so, so first of all, when you invite people to church, a congregation in a room like this um, on a Sunday morning, there are going to be people that are across the board in terms of their knowledge of God's Word, too. You might, but, but Sam doesn't stop the Sunday morning service and say, hey, let me explain to you who Moses is, right? He can't, he can't always do that. There is a common denominator, Right. Um, there is a, there's a, there's a, an aspect for which coming week after week will actually prepare that person to better understand what's going on. It's the facilitator's job to do the best they can to give the background information before they start each night. Someone might do a review or something like that. But um, in a group of six to 12 people, you actually have a lot of space to answer people's questions. Right? If you've got an hour and a half and you're studying and if someone has a specific question, there is actually space to accommodate every kind of person. No one needs to get left out. And so if you have to take time with someone, um, you should do that. If you recognize that there's an individual that's kind of sucking up all the time and they've got so many questions, well, then it's your job because we're training leaders. It's your job. It's your responsibility to say to that person, you know what? You and I should go get coffee. You and, you and I should go hang out. We should spend some time together because I really want you to be like on the same page as us. And I think we, I could answer all the questions that you have. Let's take some time this next week to get together and hang out. And so it helps build relationships. It helps build the leadership. Um, and then it helps get people caught up to where you're at. And so again, at the end of the day, if people are getting glimpses of the power of God's word, the truth of God's word, and they feel loved, uh, lost people are going to keep coming to Bible study. Even if they don't have everything figured out right away and it takes months and months or weeks and weeks, um, I think we can trust the Lord for that. I know this for a fact that um, I think one of the, the, the critiques that sometimes people have of this is that, well, what about the growing leaders who aren't getting that deep and meaty, you know, they're not getting the depth of God's word? Well, actually they are. They're, they're, they're studying in a small group context. They're studying the word of God really at the same level a pastor might in preparation for the Sunday mornings or whatever it might be. But at the same time, well, we, that's what we have LFBI for. 
It's like if there's something really deep that you need to get, well, there's space and there's opportunity outside of that context for you to go get the Bible study that you're looking for and the depth that you're looking for. Um, you might not have 45 minutes uh, to, to uh, study a genealogy, you know, or you, don't, you, might not, you might not have time in your Bible study to, you know, investigate who Melchizedek might be, okay? Who, okay, go do that on your own. You're mature enough to do that on your own. We're here together to work together, and there's, there has to be kind of a middle ground that, that, that you meet, and that's the, the Bible study leader's uh, job to kind of create that happy medium. Yeah, and I, and I would say that you know, there's so many ways to do Discovery Bible Method, but, but when you, you look at the methodology, uh, a big part of it is to work with this text, uh, even to the exclusion of using a lot of cross-references. And I know, I know when you chunked the passage, you showed cross-references, but I'll tell you, early on, I was the Kaya pastor. I invited a, a student from the Art Institute. She came. And uh, I was giving a message, and all of a sudden I was showing some cross-references, and she comes up to me afterwards, and she goes, I see what you did. And she saw that I was using cross-references to support my point. Right? And that's a logical thing. I'm going to jump here and here and here, and this is how I get my point. And so I think one of the things that's actually beneficial, not to not use cross-references, but instead of allowing the individual lost or saved to bogard the, the Bible study, hey guys, this is actually the text that we're going to look at today and with fresh eyes, uh, you know, with some in individuals, you know, we'll do Discover Bible Method where all the people who were saved have studied it prior. Mm -hmm. Other methods of Discovery Bible Method are, um, besides the facilitator, we're entering into this with fresh eyes, which you know, for a church like ours, we're like, oh, that's kind of weird. I want to be able to dig deeper, and, and I get that. But to reach the loss, we sometimes don't have to go down all those rabbit holes. We just got to answer, what does the text say right now? And so figuring out who Moses is or, or Isaiah or this thing, coffee date, that's the kind of opportunity. So this is like an offshoot, but... With Discovery Bible Method, one of the great things about it, although, yes, we need to have times where we're studying deeper on our own, that's our personal responsibility, really it is to be okay with the, I hate to even use the word surface, but the, the exact reading. Let's see what the Bible says. Let's break this down and let's talk about it. And then at times, as God gives you ability to bring cross-references, that's great. But I think there's something pretty powerful about using that text to prove the sufficiency of God's word and of God's man, Jesus Christ. Yeah, and you, you can't expect that the, the, your outline for the night is going to always go the way you imagine it. Like, it is a group. It's a collective work. And so you might end up you over, were over here for 20 minutes that you didn't realize you'd go there, but, but it was needful. And so you spent time there because you were, you were, as a leader, recognizing what the flock needed over what you anticipated. Yeah. Right? You have to make adjustments. Another question? So uh, to begin the Bible study, what principles of Bible study do you lay out and how do you go about laying those out? You know what I mean? Yeah, so you don't, you don't um, in anticipation of Bible study, you don't say, okay, tonight we're going to use these, keys of, these particular keys of Bible study. You actually just 
it's like, a, it's, I don't know if any of you guys took a lab in, um, in uh, college, like a science lab or something. Um, and you'd go into the laboratory and there'd be all of this equipment on the, on the counter and you would only need to use a few pieces of equipment that night but, or whenever your lab was. And then you would actually learn how to use it by using it, right? Like you'd never touched that thing before. And so what happens in the, in the Bible study, uh, uh, if you, you employ what you need to in the midst of Bible study at the moment that that thing comes up. And so if you need to do a word study, you do a word study. Uh, if you need to compare scripture with scripture, do that. If you need to go find an allegory or a, a metaphor from the Old Testament that speaks into the, to the truth of the New Testament, then do that. But it's the, the Bible study leader's job to kind of show those things as you go and then coach as you're doing it. People might do it wrong, they might have questions, but as they go explore down this rabbit trail, as you said, or, or down this way, you're kind of coaching them and then you're showing them how to bring that back into the group and then synthesize that information, make sure it stays within the white lines of God's truth. So it's not really like you're presenting it up front, you're just showing people how to do it as you go. And, and really, by the time a lot of our young people that started in Bible study, right, they, they came to church through Bible study. They hadn't even been on a Sunday morning yet. They came to a Bible study and then they got drawn into the church and then they got drawn into discipleship and then they eventually end up in D2. By the time our folks get into what may be the MTT equivalent or D2 or Foundations 2, uh, they already knew all the Bible principles, how to study the Bible. They already knew that stuff. Like it was old hat. By the time it got taught to them, they're like, well, I've been doing that for like a year and a half in Bible study. I already know that. Um, and that's a really awesome aspect of, of yeah, it's conversational. Yeah, we've got a question here. Unless, uh, am I missing a question? I don't see you, Shane. Okay. Um, so I understand that no matter where you go in the Bible, it will be like applicable to the person in your group. Um, but I know that Midtown's going through like Nehemiah right now. Mm -hmm. So I'm just wondering how you guys prep to choose the books of the Bible because it's evangelical at the same time. So would it be better to preference the New Testament versus the Old Testament? Like how do you guys... This, is, this is a really good question. Narrow down. Good question. So, um, we, we, historically speaking, we do spend a lot of time in the New Testament because I think it is easier to access for a person who doesn't have a background with the Bible. Um, and so we do, we have, like we were in Mark, which is, parts of Mark are tricky. And our Bible study leaders have to be prepared. They have to be studied in advance so that they can provide a, a biblical explanation where need be. Um, but we did Nehemiah um, because I, 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 felt like, I, I felt like people could handle it, and I thought it holds a lot of really important truths and principles for the New Testament believers, so we chose Nehemiah. We have never studied Revelation in Bible study. Um, we, haven't, we haven't done Zechariah. Uh, we haven't done, you know, there's, there's portions of Scripture that I think that would be trickier uh, in Bible study, and they might not be lend themselves to evangelism. So check this out. This is what we do. We'll do something that, like, I think Nehemiah preaches real well. So we'll do a book like Nehemiah, but when our students go away the, from, from college and they go back home for the summer and we're left with kind of our core, we may lose like 50 or 60 young people um, that we're investing in just because it's summertime. We, we camp out on what we call personal Bible study. And we have handouts and worksheets and, they'll, and, the, and our young people will investigate doing personal Bible study. They'll investigate a 
portion of scripture that they can go deeper into and then they can come and present. And, and so this is for the people who need something a little bit more meaty and they want to go deeper and they want to learn how to do in-depth studies and then they can come back and present that and it gives opportunity for people to grow in a new way. Then when the school year starts again, we start a new book of the Bible and I've prepped it, me and our team have prepped it, we've broken down all the chapters and, and we've handed it over, we've given resources, we've given historical background to our Bible study leaders and they have all the tools to, to prep in advance and then they can go into a new semester. But we do try to choose books that are gonna lend themselves a little bit more to evangelism than say, you know, if you wanna study Daniel and Revelation, there's the man right there. So sign up for that class and then go study it. But in our, in our Bible studies, because we want them to be accessible, we generally, uh, we generally avoid books that, could, that might take us five and a half years to study through in a, in a Bible study. Uh, I don't know if that's how you approach it. Well, too. and there's also what we're going to be talking about tomorrow, <laughs> Creation to Christ. And that is a survey of the Bible, which is starting with the creation account all the way to Christ. And so that's an easy way to start this conversation. But maybe after you've done that, that's where you spirit-led begin to consider books that would be profitable for the lost and for, obviously, the church. What are some effective ways of outreaching to other people to get them into the Bible study? That's a good question. I think it's different for everybody. So, so how old are you? 18? Are you in college yet or are you in high school? Okay. So um, your classroom, right? Um, uh, where you work, people that you work with, uh, friends from high school that are still around that uh, are open to, to learning God's word. Sometimes you got to wait on your friends a little while. They got to, you know, maybe they got to fall. And so those are friends that you want to wait until God's got their heart ready. Um, but you prayerfully just consider the people in your sphere of influence. Who, who are the people that you have a voice in their life? Those are the people you, I would start there in terms of inviting people into Bible study. If you're 45, 50, 60 years old, you, you, you've worked somewhere for 20 years, I know it gets really difficult to find people. Um, in different stages of your life, you've got kids, you're running, you know, your, your, your friendship or your sphere of influence begins to dwindle with people. Uh, well, that means you've got, you've got to go find a, a, a pond to fish in. And that's not my job to tell you where that is, but you've, you've got to do it because it's the mandate on your life. And so if you, you're calling yourself a Christian and you don't have anyone to evangelize to, well, you're not acting like a Christian because disciples of Jesus Christ share the gospel and you've got to go find the lost people in your local coffee shop. Like go to that coffee shop four or five days a week, just be there. Like the old guys in Lee Summit sit in the high V. And they sit around and they hang out there for hours. These are the retirees, you know, old men sitting around. If that's what you do, do that, but do it to the glory of God. Don't waste your time. Don't piddle around in your garage for crying out loud. Go find people, befriend people, and then invite them into Bible study. There are ways, and I can't tell you what those ways are, but you just have to be determined in your heart that if there's no, there's no fish biting where you're at, then you have to find where the fish are biting. You have to go. And so... For you, man, you, pro you know 10,000 people. You just have to use your imagination. You've got you to go, go around and access the people that are already in your life. Uh, that's the great benefit of being young. 
Uh, as you get older, it gets more difficult. You have to get more creative, but, but it's all of our responsibility. And you can, you can partner with the initiatives of your church, too. You know, uh, where, where, where are you at now? Okay, so where you are, you can consider what are the already available opportunities, you know, um, things like that. If, if there aren't those, then whether it's confrontational, which we've talked about, where it's just you on the campus, just seeking those who don't know the Lord, or whether it's a little bit more warm, where you're actually talking with your neighbor next to you, you know, in Psych 101 or whatever it is, you know. And so there's, there's a myriad of opportunities, but a lot of times we miss them because our eyes aren't open for them. There are doors open uh, if we're, and they're already open, but we can walk through them if in the morning, I believe, at least my own testimony, as I spend time with God in the morning, I see open doors. If I don't spend time with the Lord in the morning, whether that's in the word or in prayer, I miss him. And so I'm, I'm asking the Lord, whether that's before breakfast or when I'm showering or when I'm driving, God, give me your heart today. I begin to see the doors. I don't always walk through them. And there's times when I feel like I haven't done exactly what the Lord intended. But as I give my day to the Lord, I'm more responsive to his leading, whether confrontational or whether it's something to where I'm speaking with, for me, a student um, or uh, an, another individual that I know. Um, those, as I spend time with God, he opens doors for me to respond to his leading. That sounds simple. I actually believe it is. I think we make evangelism really hard a lot of times, and we muster it. And the reason why we have to muster it is because we've fallen in out of love with our Savior. Like, really, and I, 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 I'm not trying to guilt anyone, but why would you not talk about him? Why would I not want to talk about him? I love him, but I don't want anyone to know about him. So you're embarrassed about him. No, you know what I'm saying? So, but as we spend time with the Lord, God gives us opportunities. He opens our eyes. This question may have a really basic answer and also kind of applies to leadership as a whole, but when you're in a place where you're leading a Bible study and facilitating, um, but you don't feel like you're hearing from the Lord or you're in a dry season, you know, whatever that looks like, what is, maybe what advice do you have on leading people um, and wanting that to go well and wanting them to hear, but you're in a place where you're in a dry season, I guess facilitating that as a whole? Yeah. My quickest answer is obey anyways. Uh, I remember Alan Shelby said years ago, and I'm probably butchering it, maybe I've, even, I've changed it now to make it fit my own. But one time he talked about, I don't want to read the Bible, right? And he was just using the example, but like, say someone says, I don't want to read the Bible. Well, there's, there's two options. The first one is what? You don't read, right? And, and then you've already predetermined that you lost for the day. The second option is, I'm going to read anyway. And one of two things can happen. Either I can still leave with the same cruddy heart, or God can change my heart. So what I want to do is I want to obey anyway. Because you only hit, hit the, 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 the balls that you swing at, right? And so you got you to keep swinging. You know, you got to keep going for it. And, and if I'm trusting my heart, which is deceitful and wicked... <laughs> 
man, it's going to quit on me all the time. But if I'm going to tell myself and, and the spirit that dwells inside of me to tell my soul, no, we're going to obey the Lord. There, I think you're going to have more opportunities to get out of those dry seasons. And you're like, well, am I faking it? Man, forget that kind of language. Just keep, just keep persevering and asking the Lord to move. Obey even when your heart says, you know, it's not worth it. Because I'll tell you, even in those seasons, there have been times, although I'm not worthy to receive it, God has gone, come back to me through another person and said, thank you so much, God used that. And you're just going, and praise the Lord, I, I, I'm a schmuck, you know. And you know what? You are. And so am I. The moment you start thinking that it's because your heart was right and all these things, and I praise the Lord for a right heart. We need that. But, man, we got to really come to terms with the fact that we're nothing without him, whether, you, whether you're feeling it or not. And, and then, not like a robot, but then that obeying anyways, that's going to get you through on the mission field. That's going to get you through in those Bible studies. That's going to get you through if God calls you to be a church planner or whatever. Obey anyways. God, God can use that. Yeah, so just real quick, you, that was a question you could ask any pastor in the room about because everybody, every pastor studies for the week. They've been so busy. They study the sermon. They put the outline together. They've got to preach it on Sunday because everybody's going to be sitting in the room waiting on you to step into the pulpit. And, and maybe you don't feel a way about it, you know? Um, I think it's really important for us to understand when we hit that moment where it's like, uh, I feel dry, I'm not getting what I thought I was going to get here, I, I feel, so what we talked about last night is actually perfect, because this is how Moses felt, he felt like an imitation, he felt like a hypocrite, someone came to me yesterday and said, but I feel like a hypocrite, well you are a hypocrite, you're a terrible, terrible person, okay, and you, and in and of yourself and in your flesh, you're not going to get anything out of the word, like, it's, it's going to be hard. There are going to be moments where you just feel like you're not accessing things. But, but the, the answer is, um, God's saying, yes, you are a hypocrite, but you're not alone. You're not alone. Like, so it might feel dry. It might be a dry place. It might be a wilderness season. But the point is, is you're not alone. I'm here with you. And if you can simply believe in the dry place that you're not alone, then he will make you fruitful despite the fact that you feel that way and you will come through it sooner than later, right? And you'll discover, you'll discover the fountainhead that is Jesus Christ and his word. So. Um, with the Bible study leader, what is their uh, role outside of the actual study, like outside facilitating? Um, how are they equipped with that by their leadership roles? And then... Uh, yeah, what's the expectations there outside of the actual facilitation? Yeah. So this probably has to be our last question. So it's a good one. Um, so I treat the Bible study leaders in our ministry as the, as the leaders of our ministry in many ways. There are other leaders that run other aspects of the ministry, but I, I trust them in the shepherding roles. And so it's counseling. It's their, their task to spend time with the people in their small group. They really are responsible for that. It requires a lot of time and energy um, a lot of them are discipling at the same time, which can be pretty taxing. I try to encourage them uh, to focus the majority of their energy in ministry on the, on the Bible study itself. Uh, and so um, 
that, that's how they get trained up. But folks, it, what I tell the, the Bible study leaders is that they do need to have some sort of service ministry in the church. They need to be edifying the body. And so if they're on the worship team or in hospitality or whatever it might be, that's awesome. But, but outside of those edification roles at the church, this is their primary mechanism for um, evangelism and discipleship, and they need to treat it that way. And then it becomes kind of a platform for growth. And so that's the way we treat it here. People might approach it slightly different in other places. You know, and, and if you replace the term Bible study leader with shepherd, you know, and I'm not talking pastor or licensed minister, but I'm saying, are you willing to be a shepherd of souls? It kind of makes sense all of a sudden. Next thing you know is I'm not trying to get through a Bible study for someone to, you know, learn new facts about God's word, uh, or even just so someone would get saved, although that's great. I want to be a shepherd, you know, I want to shepherd souls, and I think that's really critical. You know, Brandon also said yesterday that for, for Kaya, he wants you to be through D1, D2, uh, even potentially through biblical counseling. And so those are some things, you know, that they, they would want at Midtown, and, and by all means, that would make sense at Living Faith as well, um, just to make sure that the individual is available to be a shepherding person with the oversight of the pastor. But I think if you change the word to a lot of the ministries that we have, children's ministry, I'm going to shepherd these children today. Oh, well, that... That's pretty cool. That, that's exciting. Um, I'm going to shepherd people as they come in. So as I open the doors, I'm going to act as a shepherd in hospitality. And so then Bible study is a continuation of that, that desire to lead and, and shepherd people as an under-shepherd under your pastor, who's an under-shepherd of his pastor, who is an under-shepherd of the Lord. And so I think we, we make it complicated. We can keep it simple. Be a shepherd. So we're gonna we're gonna break out into our groups, um, but uh, as so as we do that, I need all of the leaders that are leading today to kind of stand around the perimeter of the room. So go ahead and do that now. As you do that, there was one question that didn't get asked that usually gets asked. I was surprised nobody asked it, and that was this: What if people show up with different versions of the Bible to your to your Bible study? Um, I actually think there's a really easy answer for this. The first thing is just p treat people with grace. That's the first thing. Be kind to people when they do that because most people aren't using the version of the Bible that you are. The second thing is have a stack of King James Bibles in your home. Have seven or eight of them, right? What we do here is that when these pew Bibles get old, I take them. When they they're ready to replace them with new ones, I take them and then I give them to our Bible study leaders so they have extra KJVs at their house. And then simply, we, we just simply say to them, because they don't, most people don't understand all the nuances of the issue. And we don't, it's not even an appropriate place necessarily for most people to get into that. If you need to take someone out for coffee and explain it, uh, you can do that. But, but in the moment, the best thing to do is, well, so that we're all on the same page and they're all studying the same way and from the same script, uh, we're gonna all study from the King James. And so if you don't mind, I'm, here's a gift to you. Here's a King James. I'm going to give this to you. This is what we'll be using in Bible study. And, and most people, 99% of the people that you encounter are going to be completely fine with that. 
They won't say boo about it. Their grandma bought them that NIV. It's the only reason why they have it. When they were 16, it's pink. It's got butterflies on the outside of it. And grandma got it. And so they don't even know why they have it. It's just they have, this is their Bible. And so um, we just got to be gracious with people and then provide them with a, with a Bible and give it to them. Like, here, this, you can take this. And, uh, and then that'll be sufficient for most people. And, and you know who doesn't ask the question about the King James? Lost people. Yeah. Lost people, it's only other saved people who are bringing their own baggage with you. And so when you're reaching lost people, they're not like, well, I don't know about this King James. I heard all, is this the Bible? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, if you're, if, you're busy, if you're busy poaching people from other churches, then it'll be a problem. It'll be more of an issue. We're, that, we're, this, that's the exact opposite of what we're talking about. Do not do that. Avoid that. Go, go win lost people, and you will save yourself a lot of, of heartache and headache. Um, okay, with that, so we've got girls and guys mixed up um, across the room here. So what I'd really like is to keep the groups to about five at the, at the most six people. And so guys go find a guy, girls go find a girl, um, try to, to get your, and then you're gonna spread out all over the sanctuary, even up into the balcony. We'll find places to sit in different areas, but go ahead and do that now, we'll dismiss, and then we'll come back together briefly to, to work through what we're doing. Maybe all our slow readers, that's okay. Um, but uh, we want to we want to get read. We want to get through that. And now we're having a conversation about the theme of the passage. And so the facilitator is working to get people to contribute. And so um, they don't know your name very well, maybe. But but this is where they would say someone's name. Like, what do you what do you think the theme was? And again, the goal is to look to the scriptures to find the theme. And so if someone says something, I think it says blah blah. Okay, justify that with scripture. Okay, show show me from the passage where you think that that. That's true. And so um, several people should contribute. And then at the end of that, uh, the facilitator will kind of, again, synthesize all of that to make a single theme to move forward from. All right. If you've, at this point, you should have that theme kind of established. You're working that direction. Uh, the next thing is to dissect. This will take the most amount of time. Bible study leaders, you're probably only going to get through that first chunk, that first section. Um, we just don't have enough time to get super far. That's totally okay. And, and let's, there's a few people I just threw into this a, a minute ago, and they haven't studied out this passage, so be gracious with them. But there's, they're going to facilitate and lead despite the fact that this passage has just been thrown at them. They can handle it. They can do it. And so, um, but we're going to work together. We're going to study together, and we're going to start breaking down different aspects of the passage, okay? Anybody have questions about this? Questions? This is this making sense so far? You look like deer in the headlights. Okay? All right. To try to stay in the text, right? Now, again, there's good opportunities to mention cross-references, but especially with the abbreviated amount of time we have today, what we're wanting to do is just see how this particular text opens up uh, for the seasoned vet, or for the, the newbie, okay? So try to stay in the text. I'm not trying to give you some hard written rule. You can't like mention some cross-reference, but the more we can just unpack this text, the better it is too. Yeah, and there'll be words, okay? So like there's a word quickened right off the bat. Most people, especially lost people, aren't gonna understand what that means. 
And you're going to probably need to do a study on that, like in your group. You're going to have to go and figure out what that word means and come back together and talk about it. Totally cool. Do that. But because of the amount of time and because we want to keep things simple, we want to extrap extrapolate truth from the text itself as much as possible. Cool? All right, go for it. Taking place, which is the main thing, right, is involving people and letting them share. Again, not their feelings, right? Though there might be some feels involved, but not their feelings. Uh, we're talking about the word of God. Now, you're coming up with these doctrines and these principles and these God's thoughts on humanity. You're coming up with these things. As we close here, I know that you're right in the middle of it, and you could keep going and going and going. I get it. I get it. We, we can't do that, though. We're coming to a close. We've got to land the plane. And so let's transition from all the things that you've learned to making life application. All right? Bring it, make it personal right now. Based on what you've studied, even if it was just a verse or two, what is the takeaway? What is the thing that you know that God's saying to you from this passage? Because he certainly is saying something. And so the facilitator will lead that conversation, will work around the group, everybody will share something, and then the intention is that we close in some form of prayer that God would make that truth a reality in our life. And so let's work towards that now, facilitators, and then we'll, we'll close with a group, group prayer, okay? All right, so you may not have gotten a chance to pray. Usually with the application part, you kind of want to give someone about a minute and sometimes you got to say the whole, like, hey, in just a few sentences, what did God show you tonight? Okay, and that keeps people from going on and on and on, right? So be wise. Be wise with that. All right, so before we close, we're going to pray and we're going to go to lunch. And I hope you're seeing in just a glimpse of how this approach would make it easier for a lost person to come and hang out. Imagine you've got brownies on the table uh, the chairs are in a circle. You've been hanging out. You talked for 10 or 15 minutes of fellowship. You loved on somebody. You invited them to the Christmas activity at your church. You're just chatting. You're getting to know them. And then everybody sits down. And then you take this approach right here. Um, I, th I think uh, from our experience that it's, it's worked. People want to come back. You know that people don't have friends. They don't have friends. And so the Bible thing might be a little weird at first, but it's a small hurdle in light of the fact that they want relationships with people who care about them. Invite lost people. You'll be surprised at how much people want to participate in something like this. Alternating weeks, we do hangouts. The young people will like, they'll do what they call hangouts. And so they might do Bible study twice a month, but on the off weeks, uh, that same night of the week, they might go out and do an activity. They go get ice cream, you know, craft night. If you're a girl, I don't know if the guys are doing craft night. Um, but you, you do doing different things just to hang out and build relationships. And then the following week, they come back and they're, and they're participating in Bible study. And so I hope you can see that, that there, there, this is a platform and a space. Again, the idea is we're exposing, we're exposing the loss to the word of God. And, uh, and that could be one-on-one. -on -one. Or that could be in a small group like this. We want to encourage you to get the Bible open with, with the lost. That's what we're trying to encourage you to do. But um, with all that said, Dan, do you have anything to offer? You're good. Dan is coming back tomorrow to show you how to use creation to Christ, um, which is a, it's, it's great. Uh, and there's different ways of doing creation to Christ. There's many different approaches. Again, it's like a curriculum that you use 
that you would be very proactive uh, in leading someone through the Word of God to help them discover who Jesus is. He's going to show you how to do that tom uh, tomorrow. It's going to be fantastic. Come back for that. Um, if you've got questions, again, uh, during lunch or in the afternoons or at any time, just come grab us, and, and we'd be glad to, to answer those questions. But here's a glimpse uh, of what we're doing. We're hoping to have an Evangelism two class in the future in the Bible Institute where we spend eight weeks um, with you showing you how to do this kind of thing in depth and introducing you to different approaches to evangelism. Uh, it'll be a methodology class, and so that might be something to look forward to in the, in the future. Keep an eye out for that. I love you. Thank you for letting me teach you this. Uh, holler at me if you need something. Email me if you've got questions. I'll, I'll be glad to answer them. But let's pray, and let's go to lunch, okay? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time. Uh, we thank you for your word. I mean, really, I mean, the only thing I really know how to do right now, I, I, I love the people in this room. I'm thankful for the leaders. I'm thankful for the time invested. I'm, I'm thankful for what you're doing in their lives. I'm thankful for all the ways in which you're convicting people and showing people new opportunities. Lord, I'm thankful for all that. But really, if I was to say anything, Lord, right now, I'm thankful for your word. Your word makes all of this possible. Your word is, is light, and it illuminates everything. And it is the thing, it is the thing that, that spiritually circumcises us and cuts us away from our flesh. And I'm so thankful for it, and I'm thankful that I get to wield it, I'm thankful that I get to use it, and I'm thankful that I get to apply it to other people's lives, and I pray that everyone in this room would feel the same way about your word. Use us, use all of us individually and in groups to minister to the lost Lord. We ask that you bless this meal and our time together, our time of fellowship. We're grateful for uh, the Living Faith Fellowship and how you've drawn all of us together to have like-minded believers in our camp. It's wonderful. Please continue to strengthen us and strengthen our work and our endeavors. In Christ's name, amen. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you're interested in learning more about the Living Faith Fellowship, visit lffellowship.com. God bless.